Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Many times when the enemy is luring you out, and maybe there may be someone here that the enemy is luring you out with something, luring you away from God, away from what you know you're supposed to do, luring you into something you know you don't belong in, um, you, you won't enjoy, you won't get whatever you're hoping for, whatever the enemy is telling you. You guys know that Satan, one of his characteristics is that he's a liar. We know that? He's a good liar. Um, and so many times he'll throw something out there and it's like, That's, I, I, I can get that. And you're not going to get that. Satan is a liar and attacks believers using deceit. He knows where you're weak and most vulnerable. He can lead you astray by promising you all your heart's desires. Yet the moment you turn to him, he deserts you and fails you. Today, Pastor Bill wants to challenge you to be alert and aware of the enemy's schemes. Don't fall for his lies. He leaves destruction in his wake. Instead, believe in God and trust yourself to him only. He'll make you strong and give you what truly blesses you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 24 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I'm not really a boxing fan, but I like watching Miss Martial Arts, um, and which is, that's, I guess that's, that takes over for boxing for me at this point in my life. And there's been a couple times where I missed the fight that I really wanted to see. And so I, you know, it was recorded at home. I was looking forward to going home and watching it. But before I can get home and watch it, some people on Facebook and other places spoiled it for me. They say, who won? You know, now, now I already know who won, but it was a four, uh, it was a four round fight. I still want to go see the fight. And there was one particular fight that I was told who won. My guy lost. And then I go look at the fight and I'm like, no, he looks like he's winning. He looks like he's winning. But I, but I know in the back of my mind that no matter what it looks like, I know what ended up happening. I, I kind of got the I got the end result back here locked in, but I still want to see it play out. But I know who wins and I know who loses before it's all said and done. We could look at these nations, look at these people, and they could for years look at these people and look at these nations and say, right now it looks like they're on top. Right now it looks like they're doing awesome. Right now it looks like they're having the victory. But ultimately, we've already got the preview. Uh, we already know that they, they ultimately will lose. God's going to have the victory. And so one thing you see pronounced throughout Scripture is God's victory. And he always gets the victory. He always gets the victory, no matter what it looks like in the middle. Even when the enemy looks like his foot is on the neck and, 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 and God's plans aren't coming to pass, God never loses. God never loses a battle that he intends to win. And so I, I was thinking of other instances in Scripture where it looked like the enemy had, had got a victory, but he didn't get a victory because God's working all things out for his purpose. I'm, I'm sure for the religious leaders who just hated Jesus, they hated him. For no good reason, but they hated him. They hated what he stood for. They hated what he said. They hated the power. They hated the fact that people were worshiping him and leaving their little synagogues and their religious rituals and everything else. They hated Jesus and they wanted him dead. And they finally got one of his own disciples, Judas. We got one. We got a mole. We got a guy on Jesus' team that for a certain amount of money is going to take us and betray him. And I'm sure for the religious leaders, they were like rubbing their chops together. I'm sure they were singing, yes. We got it. We got him now. We got him now. And, and, and they did. They went and they took him and they grabbed him and they took him. And Jesus said, man, you guys coming for me with clubs and stuff. I, I'm with you guys every day in the synagogue. Which, you know, I'm, you know, why are you coming at me with all this stuff? You know, Peter chopped off the dude's ear. Jesus put it back on and healed him. He wasn't about the war and the fighting thing. And they took him away violently and brutally and they mocked him 
and they made fun and they did all these things. And I'm sure Satan was behind it all. And I'm sure as Satan is watching those things transpire, there had to be in his mind the idea that I, he was finally, I was, I'm going to stop him from doing what he said he was going to do. I, I'm going to put an end to Jesus. And he finally gets him on the cross and he hangs him there and he dies. And I'm sure I've watched the movie, The Passion of Christ. I'm sure in the same way when the Bible says when a believer, when one person repents that all of heaven rejoices, I'm sure that Satan and the demonic realm rejoiced in the moment of his death. And it looked like we, we did it. it we, we beat him. And it would have looked like as the disciples who were discouraged and distraught and bummed out, they were like, even when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, they said, man, we had hoped that he was going to do all this stuff. And now he's, he's dead, gone. You know, he died. And it looked like the enemy had his way. But and one thing that transpired is Jesus rose from the grave. What looked like defeat was now even greater victory. Not only did he demonstrate he had power over death and power over the grave, that now he says that same spirit that raised me from the dead, you have it. Now, everybody that believes in me has it. We all have life beyond the death. We, we, we don't have to walk around afraid to die. We don't have to walk around with fear of death. We know that we shall live. And so he took something that looked like Satan was, had his way. He said, nope, that's, that, that, even that's going to be my victory. And so as I read this here and I look at the enemies of God, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about a couple of them where, where you know, kind of more fixtures as enemies against the people of God. There is no enemy of God that wins or stands. They all lose. They all fail. They all get wiped out ultimately. And so look at verse 20. I said, then he looked on Amalek and he took up his oracle and said, Amalek was first among the nations, but shall be last until he perishes. And this was a group that over Israel's history, they had issues with um, Saul when he got brought in. But God told Saul, I want you to go utterly wipe out the Amalekites. And some people have an issue with those kind of stories in scripture, like, you know, what kind of God is, you know, calls for the murder of everybody, men, women, children? He said, wipe them, utterly destroy them. He said, don't even keep the animals. Just wipe them all out. Why would he do that? Because, because of what they believe and what they stood for, and it ran deep. He said, wipe, they need to be wiped out as a people. He's already called for their extermination. It, it'll happen. And Saul went, and Saul didn't obey the Lord completely. He kept back the king, and he kept back some of the animals. And he blamed it on the people. When Samuel, the man of God, went out to confront him, he says, hey, what is, what is the bleeding of sheep that I hear? And right away, Saul goes, well, the, the, the people, they wanted to keep it the sacrifice. And God said, man, forget your sacrifice. I'm paraphrasing. But God says, obedience is better than sacrifice. And it was for that reason that the, the kingdom was ripped away from Saul. And God said, you're not going to be king of Israel anymore. And it damaged his relationship with the Lord. And God raised up someone else to come in and, and do battle. The Amalekites, as far as typology, they're a type of the flesh. There's a really awesome picture there because the flesh, if you don't kill the flesh, guess what the flesh will do? It'll kill you. And that's exactly what happened to Saul. Saul is in war one day. He's losing in war. He falls on the sword, but he doesn't completely die. And he, he, he wants to be, he, he wants to get killed. He wants to, you know, die off. And someone comes by and he wants this guy to thrust him through with the sword. And he asks him, where are you from? Guess where, guess where the person that ended Saul's life was from? Amalek. And that, that's who ended his life. And, and it's the same thing is true when it comes to the flesh. If, if, if either we're going to kill the flesh or the flesh will rise up and kill you. Uh, it's, it's a fight to the death. One of us got to die. And so, um, 
Amalek would be an enemy of God, but they're a defeated enemy. And so um, their names here, verse 21, then he looked on the Kenites and he took up the oracle and said, firm is your dwelling place and your nest is set in the rock. Nevertheless, Cain shall be burned. How long until Asher carries you away captive? And so he speaks of Kenites, he speaks about Cain being carried away or Asher it's going to be Cain shall be burned. And how long until Asher carries you away captive? Verse 23. Then he took up the oracle and said, alas, who shall live when God does this? But ships shall come from the coast of Cyprus and they shall afflict Asher and afflict Eber. And so shall Amalek until he perishes. And I want you just to consider that, you know, you know, this is Balaam telling all these things to King Balak. Balak's already clapped his hand and said, get out. And Balaam says, one, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. And he pronounces now all these other nations and how Israel's going to defeat them, defeat them, defeat them, defeat them. They're all, all going to ultimately be defeated. And he, he slips in a prophetic word about Jesus, the king of kings who's coming. He says, I see him, but I don't see him right now. But I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter. And again, I consider that and I think, man, this guy was getting a vision. of. I see him, but not right now. I got a vision of the Lord coming and what he's coming to do. My mind would think that that would be enough to say, oh, man, I'm thinking he should repent. I'm thinking that that would be enough to just bring about a repentance, that he would stop what he's doing. But he doesn't. You know, he continues on what he's doing. And look at verse 25. It says, so Balaam rose and departed and returned to his place. Balak also went his way. And as it looks like the, the thing ends right here, you know, so they, they both end up kind of departing and going their way. And I want you to note that neither one of them got what they wanted. What, what, did, the, what did Balak want? He wanted Israel cursed. Well, he didn't get that. He got, he got something far. Get, Israel got blessed and blessed and, and, and blessings upon blessings upon blessings pronounced upon them. He didn't get what he wanted. Balaam wanted some money and some honor. He didn't get it either. He didn't get money and he didn't get honor. He's walking away with no money. He's walking away with dishonor. And this is something I would point out that many times when people compromise, trying to have something that God's not giving them, they just lose out. And um, there's a story I, I, I prayed about whether I could share it here or not, but I, 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 I'm, I think I'm okay to, I believe I'm okay to share it with you guys. So about 12 years ago, when I, I was working at the church, there was a guy who had, was a fireman, and he walked into the church office for a walk-in counseling appointment. I sat down with the guy, and, you know, so maybe the guy is maybe, about maybe 40 years old. Uh, he's a fireman. He's got a wife. He's got two teenage kids. He says, you know, family's a Christian home. They walk with the Lord, so forth and so on. And so I said, okay, well, what's, what's going on? You know, we, we cannot, you know, what do you want to talk about? And he said, uh, as the fire company goes out for lunch, there's some Mexican restaurant they were going to. And they would go to lunch at this place, and there was a girl that worked at the restaurant that they started kind of catching each other's eye, and they were flirting and back and forth. And he said, man, I know it's wrong, and I keep being drawn back to this place, and, and I know it's wrong. And he says, now I start going by myself and talking to her. And, and talking to her, I found out that she's um, not really having a place to stay. She's got a little girl. And, um, you know, and in his heart, he's, he's beginning to, in his heart, there's adultery already happening in his heart. And so he came in and I said, okay, well, I, I mean, you're Christian, so I'm going to just give it to you raw. And I gave him 
biblical counsel. I said, man, you can't do this. At his own admission, there was nothing that his wife had ever done. His wife was a beautiful woman, loved the Lord. He's like, man, there's nothing. He said, I know I'm wrong. My wife is a wonderful woman. I got two great kids. And, um, and you could just see he's just torn. And the sad part was after counseling and speaking to him and giving him the warning and giving him the word, as I'm looking at him in my heart, I know that he's going to go do it anyway. And, um, you know, he wasn't a regular attendee at the church. wasn't somebody that I knew personally, but um, he went out the office that day. I gave him the counsel. Um, didn't know what he did with it or did, it, did he do it or not. About eight months later, I'm, I'm coming back from lunch and he's sitting in the foyer of the church office and uh, was waiting for me to come. And so I, I went back to meet with him and I knew when I saw him that he had messed up his life. And so I went in the back and I we took him to the office and went and sat down and he said, you know what, um, I didn't heed the counsel. Uh, I did begin a relationship. Uh, and this is what, this was the compromise that he made. He said, you know what, I'm going to do right by my wife and kids. So, um, you know, I, didn't, I left them the house. I left them everything. But he devastated this woman. Um, they had been married for quite a few years. I don't remember the number exactly. But he devastated his wife and he devastated his teenage kids. And he moved in. He got an apartment with this woman. First he had put her in the apartment. Then he went with her to the apartment. After he gets there, he finds out that she does Santeria. So she's got like candles and some witchcraft stuff going on that freaked him out. Something happened to him physiologically that the sin that he had hoped to engage in, he was physically incapable of engaging in. Um, so that's, you know, I'm being church. Y'all got me. Y'all feel me? Okay. Enough said. So that happened. Um, and then he was thinking that maybe his wife would forgive him. And she was so devastated. Um, and the kids hated him. He says, man, he basically, his wife and kids were just like, we, we're not going to deal with you anymore. Just we're done. And we're just going to heal and, and go on. Um, that thing didn't work out with her. And he ended up back in there that day like, man, I, I, I lost everything. And I remember just sitting there and you wanted to feel sorry. I mean, I'm still human. And I'm looking at this guy thinking like, man, you, the enemy got you. You know, he got you, man. And, and I don't know that you could ever get the family back. I don't know that you mean you, you have suffered loss at this point. You do is repent from here and hope that things get better. But I remember sitting at this, sitting there looking at this guy and everything that the enemy had lied to him that he was going to get, whatever he thought he was going to have, he didn't get any of it. And I share that story not to put down that guy. I mean, I thought what he did was terrible, but just a reminder that many times when the enemy is luring you out, and maybe there may be someone here that the enemy is luring you out with something, luring you away from God, away from what you know you're supposed to do, luring you into something you know you don't belong in. Um, you, you won't enjoy, you won't get whatever you're hoping for, whatever the enemy is telling you. You guys know that Satan, one of his characteristics, he's a liar. We know that he's a good liar. Um, and so many times he'll throw something out there and it's like, That's, I, I, I can get that. And you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that. It's not going to happen. And so I, I, what I can take from this story, what I think we need to learn from it is this. Um, one, if we belong to the Lord, right, we are, we're in a blessed position in God. Um, as I look at the children of Israel and I look at how bad they were, how disobedient they were as a nation, but because God had made a covenant with them, God said, I, I'm not letting them curse you. They can't, the enemy can't just come up and say, I'm going to curse you guys. You can't do it. And I'm a New Testament Christian. You're, you guys are New Testament believers. Satan can't just, he didn't just have access to me and you at will. Satan can't just, I'm going to go upside Bill's head today. No, you can't. You got to talk to dad. You can't, nothing can happen to me that doesn't pass by the Lord. And so even when something bad happens to me, I can look to the Lord and say, God, you knew that was coming. 
and you allowed it to happen, and all things are working together for the good of those who love God and are called according to your purpose. Even though it was a bad thing, somehow it's put to work together for the good, so I'm going to keep looking to you and wait for it to turn out good. But I'm looking to you. Um, it, it's, that's what my faith tells me. That's what the word tells me. So even when something bad happens, it had to go by him. It, nothing just happened. So if I go outside and my tire's flat, boom. I don't, I don't start kicking up rocks. The devil made my time like God. You, you know I was going to flat tire? Some purpose in the flat tire, you know, I just trust that you're involved in this process some kind of way. And I'm looking for the upside. I'm looking for what the Lord is doing through it. And I believe that's how we're to be thinking that we belong to the Lord. So in one sense, we should be so secure and so blessed as God's kids that God's like, even when y'all are bad, God loves you. He loves he loves his he even loves his bad kids. And some of y'all got bad kids and you love them. Um, you know, my mom, I, I remember I, I look back at my childhood and I think my poor mom, you know, uh, having to go to teachers conferences and have teachers tell her all this, that and the other. And my mom still loved me. My mom would put me on punishment. She would come home all serious and yes, you're going to you no video games and no outside. And, dip, 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 dip. and all I had to do was look pitiful for a day. I look I mean, I look pitiful for a day and just be close to her. And next thing you know, it's like, well, well, you can go next door. But that's it. All right, all right, we on our way, Woo, you know, and that's how it went, you know, it's just she couldn't even punish me good, you know, um, just just love me, even though, and um, I look at the Lord and I think, man, he just loves us, and so with a God that loves us like this, you guys, we should just, we should just bask in it, you know, we don't want to abuse it, we don't want to, uh, we don't want to take advantage of it in a bad way, but we got to be so thankful. Um, none of us here should be doubting his care for you, his love for you, his concern, his care and everything else. So that's one thing. The warning is this. Like Balaam, who had special giftings and I'm sure calling and purpose and everything else from God, his compromise will ultimately cost him. He, his compromise had him teamed up with the enemy against the Lord. Um, and he ends up being totally defeated in this. He's not victorious here. Um, and I will point out one last warning. What the enemy could not do to Israel in pronouncing curse upon them, they got Israel to bring it upon themselves through living in disobedience. So uh, as Israel would stand with the Lord, the enemy couldn't touch them. They were untouchable. When the Bible says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper against you, shall, that was them. They, they, the enemy couldn't get them. But as they gave themselves over to the enemy, uh, as they gave way to the enemy, they brought it upon themselves. And we're going to see next week that they end up being seduced into sexual sin, first off, with, these, with women that worship idols, and then from the sexual sin into idolatry, and thousands of them are going to die, and God's going to have to um, God's going to pour out his wrath against them. And so what, what couldn't be done here is, you know, Balaam, Balak's trying to get a curse pronounced. They couldn't get it done there, but it was accomplished through their disobedience. So too, for you and me, as you walk with the Lord, it's like walking under a covering, safe, covered. Uh, the enemy does not have free reign or access, but you can step out and I can step out from underneath that covering. If I walk outside and it's raining and I got an umbrella over me, Everything around me is wet but me because I'm covered. But if I remove that umbrella, I'm going to be wet like everybody else. And for those of us that walk with the Lord, there's a covering. As I walk with the Lord, they're just, I'm not just free game for the enemy. I'm covered. But if I can step out from under that covering and go out there and dabble where I don't belong and do the things that I don't belong doing and go to places where I don't belong 
being, um, I, I'm stepping out from under that covering. And I, I, I make myself available. I put myself in harm's way. In the same way that Balaam wanted, or, or Balak wanted to curse this people, uh, but it would ultimately backfire. You know, it wasn't something that he could do. He couldn't curse this people that God had blessed. Um, and we looked at how Judas, and we talked about how Judas had betrayed the Lord and all the, just how much was working in the demonic realm to bring Jesus down, but how he couldn't be defeated. Uh, it couldn't be done. And we remember his death and we know that he voluntarily died for us, right? He gave himself up. But sometimes we forget, uh, you know, why were they wanting to kill him? When you go look at the life of Jesus, right? I look at the life that he lived. He healed people that were sick. He cast out demons of people that were possessed. He fed hungry people for free. Um, why would you want to kill a guy like that? Unless it's just inspired by the devil. There wasn't really anything not likable about Jesus other than he was disagreeable to the enemy. And when you, when you step back and just look at his life, you think, what is it that they hate about him so much? I mean, how would we feel about a guy that stepped in? A, somebody came into Inglewood and started healing sick people and casting out demons. Your, your demon-possessed kids are delivered, you know. And, I mean, everything, I mean, feeding people for free at the park over here, did a miracle and multiplied food. I mean, we would be maybe at least amazed. We may be interested. It may be, there'd be a lot of things that we might feel, but it wouldn't be hatred. I wouldn't say, I hate that guy feeding all these people, casting out all these devils, you know? Where did that come from? That came from the enemy. The enemy hated him. And look at the lane, look at the vein that he used to, 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 to push that agenda forth, religion. And I would just say this on that, right? Satan's the master counterfeiter. There's only one, there, I won't even say one religion. There's only one way to have a relationship with the Lord, and it's through the person of Jesus Christ. And the old covenant, there was a way to have a relationship with God, and God dictated that through the word and in the new testament the new covenant there's a way to have a relationship with god and jesus is it the only way the only truth the only life the only way to the father and so we live in a world right now that's very where's all the religions come from where's all the confusion where where's all the different things where's that stuff originate from it comes from every country i believe those things are demonically inspired and the interesting thing with most world religions no one holds fast like Christians do, because we have the truth, right? You, 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 you take someone that's Buddhist and whatever, and, and they're a lot more likely to say, you know what, you know, I mean, you could be that, and I could be this, and we can kind of come together, and, you know, they don't, they don't feel so strongly that it's got to be this way. They're a little, everybody else seems a little bit looser, but guess who, guess who ends up looking like the, the, the narrow, bigoted, bad guy? You and me. You're saying your way is the only way. That's so arrogant. What about these? You're saying all those people are wrong? Yes. I'm not really saying that God said it, but that's how we get end up. So I, I look at what happened in Jesus' day. I look at what happens in our day, and we got to be very careful that the thoughts and the, the, the ideas and the mentality of this world doesn't creep into us. That I realize that, you know what, it, it, is, it was narrow then, it was narrow now. They hated Jesus, they're going to hate us. That's what Jesus told his disciples. They hated me, they're going to hate you, right? The, the people that hated me, the religious folk, if you look like me in your era, they're going to hate you too. So don't feel bad. Don't feel bad when people get mad at you. You, you know, I disagree with you. And you're, that's okay. I disagree with Jesus too. I'm good. We're on good ground. The Bible actually says be, be, you need to be concerned when all men speak well of you. When everybody thinks you're great, which is what some people want, want to be liked by everybody, God said that's when you really need to be concerned. When everybody thinks you're a great guy, a great guy, all them non-believers think you're awesome, all them people you disagree with think you're great, something's wrong with you. Because um, everybody didn't think Jesus was great. 
we're celebrating his victory. Um, it was a victory that he made it to the cross. And even though the enemy looked like at the cross he was getting a victory, that was God's victory because sin was being paid for and was being dealt with. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. As we study through the book of Numbers, do you relate to how the people wanted to rebel, complain, and doubt what God's doing? Throughout this book, it's easy to pick up on a theme that God doesn't look kindly at a rebellious spirit or behavior. However, he corrects the people in a way that causes them to come back to him with the right kind of heart. The lessons that he taught them are the same ones he teaches you today. He wants you to live fully for him, not just say one thing and do another. This means not going about your ministry complaining about the things that bother you. God wants you to be overflowing with gratitude for what he's doing in your life and to look back at the struggles and recognize that he was the one who got you through. Are you enjoying these things that you're gaining from the book of Numbers? Today's message is available to listen to again on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. Once you're there, just click on the teachings tab. Otherwise, feel free to download our mobile app to listen to more messages like this. Just search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of A Transforming Word.